When I was a kid growing up in a very small town in the 80s and 90s, my parents often left me and my little sister home alone for a few hours at a time to run errands. My mom had two brothers, and we lived in the same town as one of her brothers and his family. Being a close-knit family, my cousins and I were always over at each other's houses. The adults would leave us alone a lot. Back then, it was standard to tell kids, don't open the doors for anybody, and don't use the stove, and we never thought anything about it. After my parents divorced, though, it happened more often as both my parents worked different shifts at their jobs. My sister and I lived in town, and my cousins and my grandma lived outside of town with only a few neighbors nearby, so my sister and I got the best of both worlds, city kids and country kids. Because we lived in such a small community, everyone knew everyone else, and I think we all felt perfectly safe that nothing bad would ever happen to us, and if it did, our neighbors would help us. Around the time I was 8 or 9 years old, I began to get strange phone calls. It would be a man's voice on the phone, and these calls would almost always come when I was home alone. The person would tell me they could see me, that they knew I was alone, and that they were coming to get me. When I'd get these calls, I'd usually just hang up without saying anything. Of course, it terrified me, but I was too scared to tell my parents. I was scared by the calls, but I also liked getting to stay home alone. Being left to take care of my sister made me feel grown, and I didn't want my parents to stop leaving me in charge. Stupidly, I kept the calls to myself. One day while my dad was at work, my cousin who was a year older than me was at my house. We were watching TV and playing when the phone rang. She answered it, and her face went pale immediately. I asked her what was wrong, and she shook her head, saying, I can't tell you. I pressed, and she finally told me about how this man would call her a lot when she was home alone, always telling her he knew she was by herself and he was going to come get her. I was shocked. I explained that I had been getting the same calls, and we immediately agreed that it had to be one of her older brothers or their friends playing a mean joke on us. We calmed down and kind of laughed it off. I didn't get another call for a while after that, so I almost forgot about it. In the summer between my 6th and 7th grade year, my grandma had taken a part-time job and my mom lived in another town, so my sister and I were home alone almost all day, every day while my dad worked. We spent our days playing outside in the yard, riding bikes around the neighborhood, and tanning in our backyard a lot. One day my sister was gone to a friend's and my cousin was back at my house. We were listening to music and dancing around the living room when the phone rang. I picked it up and there it was, the voice. At this point I was 12 years old and I had developed a little bit of an attitude. When the man told me he knew we were home alone, I laughed and said, liar. He waited a moment and said, I can prove that I know you're alone. I laughed again, a little more nervously this time, and said, oh yeah? Then do it. His response was, I love that little yellow tank top you're wearing today. By this time, my cousin had turned off the music and was watching me, so she saw when the color drained out of my face. I was freaking out. I had just gotten a new outfit and was wearing it, a yellow tank top and jean shorts with a matching yellow and pink patch. I yelled to leave us alone and slammed the phone down, my heart racing. I started crying and told my cousin, it was him. He knows we're here by ourselves. I ran over to shut the living room curtains and my cousin said, I think we should call somebody. I agreed, but instead of calling the police, she picked up the phone and tried to call her mom at work. We got no answer. I called my dad's work and left a message with the gate guard to have him call me. As we were debating what to do next, I heard the gravel in our driveway crunch under the wheels of a vehicle. I ran to the window and peeked outside to see a small red car sitting in the driveway. I didn't recognize the car, and I didn't recognize the man and woman sitting inside of it. In our tiny little town, even if I didn't know someone's name, I'd surely know their face, but I didn't know either one of them. I froze with fear as I watched them talking to each other, and my cousin ran to lock the back door. We had no weapons, and no real way to try to defend ourselves other than my softball bat. As my cousin came back into the room, she hissed, we have to hide. My cousin hid in a small space between a tall bookshelf and the wall, and I threw myself behind our recliner, which faced the window. I watched in horror as the woman walked up to the front door. Instead of knocking, she tried the knob, 
I tried to quiet my breathing, convinced she might be able to hear me, and watched her shadow through the curtains as she walked around to our carport. Sure enough, I heard that doorknob jiggle too. There was a pause, and then the door shook as if someone was trying to force it open. I covered my mouth and forced myself not to scream. After what felt like an eternity, the sound stopped and everything went quiet. I was too afraid to move, so I just waited. I have no idea how much time passed, but eventually we heard the car backing out of the driveway. Once I got the courage, I ran to peek out the window again to make sure they really had left. I saw no trace of the red car, but I was still racked with fear. I told my cousin she could come out and we hugged each other in relief. Even though we were scared to go outside, we decided to get on our bikes and ride to the office my aunt worked in. Once we were there, we told her everything. The phone calls and how long they'd been happening, the red car, and the description of both people inside. She immediately called the police and we had to give our statements about it all. When my dad got home from work, he asked me why I had called the gate guard and my aunt filled him in on everything. And from that moment on, we weren't allowed to stay by ourselves again until I was probably about 16. We never heard anything else on the case and we also never got any more phone calls. It's been years and I still think about the situation often. We never found out who made those calls or who those people in the red car were. The phone calls could have just been some mean prank and those people could have just been trying to simply rob the house, but the coincidence that day was crazy. I have no idea if the man kept watching us as we grew up, but the whole thing definitely made me paranoid about a lot of things and I always make sure to keep a weapon near me at all times when home alone. Now as a single mom, I'm forced to leave my kids alone occasionally and I'm overly protective with them, giving tons of instructions and rules about what they can and can't do. They may roll their eyes at me, but I know the dangers in this world, and I'd much rather be safe than to be sorry. This story happened a few years ago when I was in my early 20s and studying in Paris, France. I was going home from uni. I usually took a short bus ride and walked the rest of the way. That day, I felt slightly uncomfortable. I could sense some guy looking intensely at me. I was used to unpleasant, unsolicited gazes, but this time, his gaze felt beastly. It's hard to explain why, but I felt like I was prey being stalked. I decided to get off the bus a few stops early. I wanted to avoid him and didn't want him to see where I usually got off. Like I learned in the movies, I waited until someone else pressed the stop button and waited until the last moment to stand up and leave. I didn't notice him getting off the bus. Just as I was feeling the relief of having escaped an uncomfortable situation, I look over my shoulder, and there he was, a few meters behind me. I had the distressing feeling his eye had just looked away the moment that I turned. I walked into a shop, took my phone out, and pretended to be taking a call. When I couldn't see him anymore, I exited and made my way home as fast as I could. I kept looking back in the busy street. I zigzagged, crossed the street at every crossing. Finally, I believed that him getting off at the same stop as me was just a coincidence. However, when I reached my building, I looked back one last time, and there he was. His alarming gaze upon me, smirking. I ran up to my apartment, climbing the stairs four at a time. I reached the top floor, squeezed through the door, and locked it. And then I froze. My intercom began ringing. Don't ask me why I picked it up. I regretted it almost instantly. I could hear the opposite flat intercom ringing as well. He had pressed all the buttons one by one, hoping someone would open. But now, he knew my name. Gabrielle? I felt like a deer in the headlights, frozen. Open the door, please, said in a pleading voice. I just want to talk to you. Somehow I couldn't move or speak. Come to the window, he added. Look at me. You'll see I'm not a bad guy. Something clicked. He wanted to locate my apartment in the building. I was not going to make that mistake. I hung up, in shock, and I waited by the door without moving for what seemed like hours. When I finally managed to calm myself, I called my long-distance boyfriend. Call the police, he said immediately. Why didn't I call the police? I don't know. Today, it would be the first thing I would do. The fear of making a big deal out of something not important, perhaps. 
What an idiot I was. I called my best friend instead. I didn't want to feel alone. I told her all about it, and after a while I felt better. Safe. We started laughing, but suddenly the intercom rang again. Two hours had passed since I'd come home. I answered. Gabrielle, said the voice. Open, please. I still remember the chills I felt. He was still there. He was there all this time. I was silent, petrified. He was silent, but I could sense his trepidation. Gabrielle, let me in. I'm so thirsty, he said. Just give me a glass of water. This broke the tension, and I hung up. Curled up in a corner, literally in recovery position, terrified, I waited. I was scared to make a sound. I knew he couldn't hear me from the hall, but I was scared to even breathe. The intercom rang again, and again. I didn't answer this time. I crouched to the sofa, fell asleep in exhaustion. I heard the intercom ring one more time in the middle of the night. I woke up in the morning, afraid to leave my apartment. I called my dad, who came to pick me up. There was no one in the hall, but there was a note in my mailbox. Gabrielle, I'm a nice guy. You should have opened to me. We immediately went to the nearest police station. The police listened and of course told me that I should not hesitate to call them. My dad called a locksmith to install a digicode on the building door that same day and wrote a message to each of my neighbors asking to not open the door to anyone they didn't expect. He sat in the cafe in front of my building with two friends every evening for a week. I never saw the stalker again. After this episode, I used a different route to and from uni every day. I kept my phone tightly in my hand and looked back every few meters. Today, I'm still very observant of my surroundings. I never answer the door if I'm not expecting anyone. And to anybody that this may reach, please don't be like me. Call the police. I was about seven years old, my brother about ten. It was well past our bedtime when our mom woke up off the couch to put us to bed. Our dad worked construction out of town back then, so it was often just us three at the house for weeks at a time. Up the stairs and to the immediate right was our parents' bedroom. Going left put you in the middle of a hallway. Taking another left down the hallway led to my brother's room. The opposite end was my room, which was also across the hall from our upstairs bathroom. At either end of the hallway are windowed doors we always kept locked and rarely used. The door on my end led to a balcony overlooking our front yard, and the door on my brother's end opened to our back porch. My brother and mom both had a habit of waking up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. I only knew this because I was a light sleeper, and they just couldn't help flushing with the door wide open. This night, however, my brother stopped on his way to his room and came back towards the bathroom. I'm going to try to pee before I go to bed. The past few nights I've been too afraid to walk to the bathroom. I keep seeing a man wearing stripes at the end of the hallway. I don't know if my mom wrote it off as my brother telling ghost stories to try to scare me, or if she was already half asleep and didn't catch it but she didn't react at all to my brother's confession. I, on the other hand, was terrified by it. The fear of seeing a ghost like at the end of the hallway or through the windows is the reason I started running from the stairs to my bedroom at night. Years later, when I was about 18, my mom and I were having a conversation in her car about a dog we had for a very short time when I was little. We were sharing stories about Max's tendencies towards destroying my shoes and other unruly behaviors when my mom blurted out, do you remember that time I opened the front door for the cops and Max ran inside to the kitchen and started tearing open that big bag of dog food we had? This really caught me by surprise because in all the years I lived in that house, we never once called the cops. I asked her what she was talking about and she looked equally surprised as if she had just revealed something by accident. Oh, that's right. I never told you because you were too young at the time. One night I woke up hearing noises outside my window and when I looked, I saw a man staring into my bedroom. 
She went on to describe how turning on the lights caused him to take off running and how she grabbed my dad's pistol before calling the cops. I can't remember all the details I gave them when they showed up. Tall, white male, wearing striped shirt and jeans, short dark hair, something like that. They said it matched the description of a man they were looking for in the area. Turns out he had escaped from jail on a murder charge. Now I know it sounds so obvious hearing those two stories back to back, but it wasn't until a few years ago, in my mid-twenties, that I pieced together that my brother had unknowingly warned us about a murderer who spent multiple nights casing our home. So to all the parents out there, your child may not be telling ghost stories or have an overactive imagination. They may just be warning you about danger.